You're listening to Making a Druid, a Nancy Drew podcast. Welcome, my Druids, to Making a Druid, the podcast that will turn you all into Nancy Drew fans, not in a creepy way, but in like a really loving, humorous, you know, a need for a new television show kind of way. All right. So if you're looking for a new television show, you've come to the right spot. We've actually had several people reach out to us to tell us that they've started watching Nancy Drew because of the podcast. So we have fulfilled our purpose. I guess we can quit now. Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. The goal is to actually get through the first two seasons of Nancy Drew before season three premieres. Yes, it is a lofty goal and we will be posting frequently throughout the week, every week. But when we get to season three, it'll turn into one episode a week and it will become an after slash review show. So thanks for listening in. My name is Allie. I'm the one with the slight Southern accent. I am here with the lovely Chicago resident who, who does not have a slight Southern accent. Teresa, <laughs> what's up, Teresa? Hello. <laughs> and my lovely and amazing longtime Twitter friend, Melissa. How's it going, Hi. Melissa? Hi. I'm good. How are you? Who, I'm great. I just can't believe Melissa has taken a break from studying long enough to come and record these podcasts with us. <laughs> Melissa will be, she was with us last episode. She'll be with us next episode too. So if you're enjoying the, so to speak, musings of Melissa, she will be back for a later episode in season one that we're not telling Teresa about, but she will be back. Uh, not knowing <laughs> one of my pet peeves. <laughs> it's really good though. It's a really good episode. So we are going to our keeper of the count, Teresa. Yes, we are again, poor Tiffany all alone at one body. Dead. Listen, it's going to change soon. I promise. I promise. You keep telling me this and I'm stuck with Tiffany Hudson, which is like RIP Tiffany Hudson. We, we love you. Great job. But like, I'm I want so more sorry bodies. that this show doesn't have enough death for you. Maybe you should go rewatch the hundred. Oh, Everybody no. dies on that no, show. If I, Literally yeah. all of humanity. So <laughs> oops, don't worry. That's too don't much. Don't yourself and rewatch it. <laughs> I, I refuse. Don't do it. So we have one body still, Tiffany. One body that has been deaded. We have 10 ghost sightings thus far. Um, uh, So that because we agreed possessions do not count. We are just sticking to uh, normal ghost sightings. If there could ever be such a thing. (laughs) I mean, and we are still. uh, (laughs) It's a thing for Nancy Drew. And we are still at three ghosts with Lucy, Rita and Tiffany. That will also change soon. By the time we get to the end of season two, we might need another page. So just a little preview on that. Headed into our recap of last episode. The whole episode was pretty much Nancy and the Drew crew working to rid George of her possession by Tiffany Hudson. Great opportunity for Leah Lewis to really show us her acting abilities. And she did splendidly. Laura was confronted by Nick because she broke into his garage and found a flash drive left to Nick by Tiffany. She did end up handing it back to Nick. We found out it really was meant for Nick. He was the one that was actually able to open it. 
And on the flash drive was a collection of evidence that Tiffany Hudson had been working on to kind of bring the Hudson family to justice. So Lizbeth and Bess did finally set up a date after an entire episode of Bess being scared to text Lizbeth. They set something up at the end of the episode. Nancy and the crew meet Owen Marvin, who is really our first main character Marvin that we've met so far. We briefly met the matriarch at the funeral, but Owen's really the first one we've gotten to talk to and to get to know. Nancy definitely has some sparks with Mr. Marvin, of which her boyfriend has assuredly noticed, even though Nancy has turned him down multiple times and only seems to be using him (laughs) for his construction equipment at this point. That's not to say that won't change because they definitely have sparks and they're honing in on it. The writers and the directors and all the choices, they're, they're, they want you to notice that they're sparks and that Nit notices their sparks as well. But Owen does use his very usefulness with the construction equipment to dig up a time capsule that Nancy noticed in a picture with Lucy Sable, she finds out that Lucy and Ryan were acquainted in some way. That is where we left off at the last episode. I think that might be the most concise recap I've ever done. I think. That was beautiful. Thank you. I, that, that, that deserves <laughs> awesome. like an award. The pressure is on. I know. That was such a good one. I had such, I had like very detailed bullet list. I even had arrows. So in your Nancy Drew notebook, in my Nancy Drew notebook, I love my Nancy Drew notebook with the built-in bookmark. Let's move on to episode six, the mystery of Blackwood Lodge. In the beginning, there was the Nancy narrator as, (laughs) as is usual on this show, our, our favorite character. And she is trying to find clues in a poem that she found in the time capsule that was written by Lucy. And the poem is seems to be very abstract. There's mentions of like Medusa and Pegasus and all these like mythological characters and stuff. And Nancy is not having any luck. <laughs> she has no idea what the poem is saying and she has a line in her head nancy narrator who says what do you do when the dead stop talking to you and we'll find out what you do about that in the next episode which we're not covering at the moment and i don't want to spoil anything for Teresa. so she's looking for the clues and she's not having a lot of luck so in true nancy style she's found out that lucy had a connection to ryan so what does she do? She goes to Ryan. <laughs> she broke into Ryan's house again. Again. <laughs> well, I mean, technically, again. Nancy apologist. This technically, episode, she I guess, did it, me. but the door is open. Therefore, it is not breaking and entering. She also she, calls she, his name. She entered time. his humble abode once more. Well, because she the block meaning. Because you're right. She didn't break in. She. Also, like Melissa said, she was not wearing the beanie. It technically wasn't a break-in. If it were a break-in, she'd wear the beanie. She went there with the purpose of talking to Ryan and thinking he would be home. But he was not. So she enters because she is an opportunist. And I respect that. So she enters Ryan's house. 
and she goes into the house and we see a really cool ghost sighting ding 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 number 11 she passes by a waterfall feature it is a really cool i will admit melissa was talking about this is her favorite ghost sighting as she passes the waterfall feature she see well she doesn't see jack we see that lucy is following her so this is actually one of several ghost sightings so far where we get an idea of even though she may not be speaking to nancy directly lucy is actively haunting nancy like following her around and is with her at all times mm-hmm. that the not sporadic yeah, the direction of this scene was really cool. I know in the last episode I said the hand one was my favorite, but this one replaced it very quickly. It did. I did like the waterfall scene and the the camera work and the angles just really did it well. Ah, loved it. And what I really appreciated about this one is at first it looks like they're trying to make Lucy her reflection, mm-hmm. but then by the end of it, she's behind her. And so that's just really interesting. I thought that was an interesting choice for a ghost sighting. But Nancy goes into Ryan's room because she does not see Lucy. And she finds an invitation that is all black. And it basically just says the velvet mask at dusk or something like that. It's, It's very minimal. There's no actual directions on it. And immediately my brain says, oh, this is like a rich people thing, right? So I wouldn't know a thing about that. Exactly. I don't know anything about it either. So it must be rich people. They just send one another mysterious envelopes. And it's like, it's like that thing where you go to a store and there's no price tags. And it's like, well, how much is this? If you have to ask, you can't afford it. It's it's (laughs) that kind of thing. If you have to ask where the party is, you're not invited. But I did put exclusive party. Hint, hint, nudge, nudge, Teresa. Wink, wink. Yeah, my prediction. (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm right. (laughs) We did have a mention in the previous episode from Creepy Karen about Lucy pulling away from their friendship after she attended an exclusive party. And Teresa predicted that it would come back. And it appears that her prediction has very quickly come to be. Yeah, I'm getting good at this. No, I'm not. Are you? <laughs> I still have no idea what's happening. Are you? Where is Kate Drew's ghost, Teresa? I haven't seen her yet. <laughs> she will come! <laughs> Are oh we God. sure? <laughs> All right. So no, I'm the only one that's sure. I am convinced Kate Drew will come. Let it okay. give it time. There's- Season five. <laughs> you never know. Where have you been, Mom? So anyways, I'm thinking long term here. <laughs> yeah, she is. Yeah. After Nancy finds the invitation to the velvet mask, it cuts back to the claw where we see that Bess is freaking the F out over her date with Lizbeth, which I mean, she freaked out about sending her a text message. Uh, so this checks. She's freaking out. And <laughs> I can't remember if it's Georgia Ace one, but I wrote down the quote. It says, it's a first date best, not a parliamentary hearing. I think it was George. Ace is usually much more kind and like subtle. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it must have been George. Bess is just really, really stressed out. And Nancy walks in. She tells them about the velvet mask invitation. And George inexplicably knows what the velvet mask is and that it's an exclusive rich person party. So I was right. Thank you very much. <laughs> and I, I just feel like, 
George and Nancy have lived in Horseshoe Bay the same amount of time. And yet George always seems to know more than Nancy. That's what I made the same note. I was like, why does George know so many people and so many things? Like where the hell was Nancy this entire time? Mary Tom family. Yeah, that one. But I also think too, Nancy was in kind of that select group of friends. So I don't think she was as much aware of everything going on around her because she was kind of in that popular crowd before her mom died. Yeah. Yeah. I guess that checks. It was just one of those things. Like, of course, of course she knows. Of course she does. Nick comes in and he says, speaking of shady, rich people with questionable hobbies, he tells Nancy finally about how he thinks Owen might be involved in some shady things, which he actually found out last episode and attempted to tell Nancy. So this is apparently pretty soon after that, because he's just now getting to tell Nancy about it. I guess he just didn't try to call her again. And Nancy seems to be amused by Nick sleuthing did you guys pick up on that too I don't want to say it was uh what's the word I'm looking for (sighs) come on help me out Teresa well I um where you you like about the the word like you're cute like oh like uh, condescending condescending. yeah you're it didn't like ah you're you're, you think you can do what I can do patronizing (laughs) patronizing oh yeah I don't feel like she was going for that, but it almost came off across as a little patronizing. Um, Or it could just be that she just genuinely was amused that someone else was doing some sleuth work. (laughs) I think it's a little bit of both, like a middle ground. I think she's amused that someone thinks like that what she can do anyone can do so like she she found it funny that nick the the man the the man she decided to to be in a relationship with is jumping on board with her right she he is also now a sleuth i also think part of her is annoyed that that he thinks that he can just jump right in like like she doesn't have like if she hadn't been trying to do this for like years, like, like, oh, you think you can just follow people around now? Like, it's not that simple. My, my dude, I've been well, doing this for years. Okay. And I feel like we find out throughout the episode that maybe she didn't really take him seriously with his sleuthing based on the decision she makes. And mm-hmm. this is one of those episodes where the fact that Nancy usually works alone really shines through. Because she's kind of separate from the group, the Drew crew in this episode. Yeah. But I also feel like, hear me out, if Ace had been the one to come up and say that he had been doing this very thing Nick had done, I don't think Nancy would have been a surprise. Tell me I'm wrong. Because Nancy has been watching Ace. Even there's, there's a moment in this episode I wrote down where she is like, openly like giving him like a side eye like she's still trying to figure him out so I feel like she thinks she's figured Nick out and so this is surprising I don't think she would have blinked as much had it been Ace Hmm. does does Nancy know anything about Ace's like the previous hacking that we've kind of heard about yes we we know she knows that he is a hacker she does not know other things she does know that he has the ability to hack. Okay. So at this point, we as an audience know that Ace is basically being blackmailed by McGinnis. We don't know why, and Nancy doesn't know why, but she knows that he's a hacker. 
Teresa and I have assumed in the past that he's probably being blackmailed for something related to technology. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not that big of a reach for the audience. And Nick is obviously still jealous of Owen in this scene also with some comments and things that he makes. I also so think that's they're part of it, right? It. That maybe yeah. Nancy isn't taking him that seriously because she thinks it's jealousy. And I also think that while Nancy knows that she's not going to cheat on Nick, she doesn't do a, a great job of assuring Nick no, she that she's not, not going to cheat on Nick. So if I were Nick, right, especially by this episode and the multiple conversations that she's had with Owen, if I were Nick, I would probably think things too, considering Nancy's not a very open person when it comes to things like this. And Nick deserves to know all the things, right? Because that's the person she's in a relationship with and she's just not supplying it. So if she knows that he's jealous, which anyone with eyeballs can see that he's jealous, I feel like she hasn't really done a good job of being like, hey, look, I know that you you don't like me talking to Owen, but Owen is a means to an end. He is helping me to solve some things I need to get done and you don't have anything to worry about. That never occurs. <laughs> In mm-hmm. spite of the multiple instances where Nick is clearly looking on, like, what you doing? What's happening? What are you talking about? Like, it never happens. Anyways, she tells Nick that she will take care of the Owen situation. Nancy actually goes and stakes out Owen's parking spot, which is really kind of a good idea. Like, because, of course, rich people have reserved parking spots at docks. <laughs> And she just goes and parks there. She's like, he'll show up eventually. And I'm like, girl, what if he didn't want to go on his boat today? But I digress. What else is he going to do in the place that he summers in? It's true. I mean, he's a businessman. Maybe he was at, you know, his construction site. Anyway, she goes and parks there. And of course he shows up. And he says, Nancy Drew, were you staking out my parking spot? And she's just like, yeah. Yeah, of course I was. (laughs) And uh, she immediately questions him about him and Ryan. And he basically, to sum it up, he says they're frenemies. That's the the summative of that. And then he makes a joke about Nick (laughs) and how he makes it apparent. He's like, is this, does this have anything to do with a certain someone who's been following me around all day with really a certain someone with really nice cheekbones who's been following me around all day? And Nancy's like, Maybe. And he does have really nice cheekbones. He does. I'm glad someone noticed. (laughs) He does have really nice cheekbones. And in spite of her making that comment about how he does have really nice cheekbones, like, I, yeah, he's my boyfriend. I agree. He has nice cheekbones. He asks her out. (laughs) And she's just like, I'm going to avoid this question. I'm not even going to respond to that. I've just (laughs) told you. I won't even dignify that with a response was her thing. I, so. Just during that scene, I can't, and this is mostly because I don't know how old Owen is. And I know we kind of get a glimpse of that later on in the episode, but yes, in this moment, do. I was like, do all rich guys just want young women? Like, why are you all gross? But we, we do figure out later in the episode, he's that, not that much older than me. He's not that much older. I didn't know it at the time because I thought, because he implied that he, him and Ryan were frenemies. I was just like, is he Ryan's age? Is this not I a do gross think, guy? I do think that, you know, rich families kind of summer together and they're all together all the time. 
So at this point, now that he's an adult and he's a major player in the Marvin's like business ventures, he and Ryan are on the same level of family importance. So yeah, yeah. Um, but I was like, oh, so later in the episode when we found out that he wasn't that much older, I was like, thank the freaking Lord. Because I was like, I cannot take it yeah. on the perv. And I think this is the episode we find out, actually, I keep mentioning that Nancy's 19. She's still 18 in this episode. At some point, she turns 19. I think this is okay. the episode where we figure out she's 18. By the end of season two, she's 19. So Owen asks her out. She asks him if, if he will take her to the Velvet Mask. And I'm like, man... She's just using you. But he refuses. He says he's not going to take her. And so in traditional Nancy Drew fashion, she says in her mind, you know, she doesn't say it, but we know it. She's going to find another way to get there. She's Nancy Drew. Of course she will. Yeah. I mean, if she has to wear her black beanie and sneak in, she will. But she's trying to go for a more subtle approach this go around. And Owen is not cooperating. So. We're going to move on to someone else who might have access to the black mask. <laughs> I don't know who that might be, <clears throat> but you know. The other someone. perv. <laughs> Owen's not yeah, a perv. perv. Okay. In, the moment, in this moment in time, I had no clue he wasn't. I was like, in my head, I was like, it is going a little skeevy. It is a little skeevy that he asked her out knowing that she's dating Nick. I'm like, yes. okay, you know, like, and I thought good for her. Like, she's still like, no, I'm dating someone, but thanks. Will you take me to this party so that I can do clue things? <laughs> like, she she wasn't even like, hey, I want to go to this party with you because you're super hot and I'm super hot and we should make it a thing. Like, that wasn't what happened. Nancy goes home and Ryan is at her house. And let me just tell you, I am like, well, now we know where Ryan was earlier. He was at your house <laughs> while you were at his house. He was at yours. While Nancy was not breaking into Ryan's house, Ryan was probably breaking into her house. And that was my thing. I was like, how did he get into her house? Did like, Carson give him a key? Like, I'm not sure I would like give him access to my home. But Ryan is at Nancy's house and he opens their conversation with, I think someone's trying to kill me. And Nancy's just like, okay, why? I was like, why, <laughs> why do, do you care? think someone's kind of get- he mentions well, that, that he moment, I was like, why are you going to Nancy Drew about this? And then we realized he he went because of Carson. Yes. And yeah. But he reveals that he left his house earlier to go to a hotel because he was hearing things in the night. And so he thought that there were people at his house trying to kill him. Whereas we, the audience who believe in ghosties. We're like, mm, I thought that was a ghost. <laughs> I just want to say, bring this back. I told you Ryan was freaking haunted. And you're like, no, it's Nancy's house. And I was like, no, it's Ryan. You're like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, pretty sure. <laughs> Actually, I was just trying to lead you astray because that's a fun thing to do. I was pretty adamant though. <laughs> I was just like, uh, I think it's Ryan. <laughs> well, Carson was also haunted by her later in the episode. Thank you very much. Yes, but I also think Carson's involved in some way because of the Hudson. So they're both being haunted. Okay. Everyone's being haunted. It's Everyone. It's all Lucy's fault. It's Horseshoe Bay. You can't get out of Horseshoe Bay and not be haunted. Exactly. True. <laughs> but Ryan, also, this is where we find out that Ryan owes money to bookies, which is interesting or we assume it's bookies it's people he's like you wouldn't want to owe money to in that yeah. usually bookies it usually or the mob but um uh-huh. 
I thought his family was the mob. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Unless he, like, went to a rival mob family because his family has disowned him, right? We're Yes, we're Everett pretty- has cut him off. Yeah, they cut him off. Um, Everett the asshole. God damn it, Everett. It's all your fault. Um, he, he really is. Well, I mean, Ryan got to take some ownership over his own actions. Well, yes, but- yes. Everett um, the asshole cutting off uh, his son, uh, dumb dumb meanie man. <laughs> dumb dumb meanie man. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> Anywho, he tells Nancy his basically get out of jail free card with this whole debt situation is as a wedding gift, he receives some antique Roman coins from his family and he is planning to sell them at the Velvet Mask, which is not only a party, but apparently a rich people auction. And he was hoping that Carson could help him get a hold of the coins because, you know, his dad has cut him off. To which Nancy responds that Carson is still in Boston. Can we get Carson back? Like, can I fly to Boston and bring his ass back to Horseshoe Bay? Because I need him. Yeah, I'm also thinking, is Carson unreachable? Like, why why not call him, my man? Like, my dude. Why I break into his she house? Said, she says <laughs> that he is unreachable in the episode. Yeah, but- and I'm like, how are you unreachable in 2020, 2019, yeah, I, whatever year this is? In Boston, Massachusetts. Yeah, I was like, why can't you just pick up the goddamn phone? Like, call... Ryan, you should you should call Carson and Carson should pick up. Like that is the reasonable, logical, normal human thing to do. Yeah. So Carson is not really available to help him get the coins the legal way. So Nancy offers to get the coins in a less legal way. That's very polite of you to say. <laughs> less legal. <laughs> to which Ryan responds, yeah, right. What have you ever broken into? To which Nancy in her head, Nancy narrator says, your house two weeks ago. (laughs) Oh, never mind. I thought in this line, she was like into your house twice. And I was like, so she confirmed she broke in the second time, but she didn't. No, she said two weeks ago. So that was a cute little scene where he was like, yeah, right. What have you ever broken into? And she's like, sweetie, sweetie. I would also like to mention that this, the two weeks ago breaks my assumption that it's only been like each episode's only been a day with no breaks because I know I had mentioned before that each episode only really takes place in a day, but it's been more time than that because we're only on episode six. Uh-huh. It's been two And weeks. at some point between now and the end of season two, she turns 19. Bess is still stressed out about her date. Ace is being a good platanker. He's trying to comfort her. He's trying to tell her a list of subjects to avoid, like the fact that she's secretly British. Maybe a Marvin is a kleptomaniac, like all these different things that she probably shouldn't mention. And it's just really cute. I love them as friends. I am so glad they decided. They're to the go best route. of platankers. They are. I want a platanker. I do too. <laughs> I need this in my life. Like that feels like a good thing to have. This is also the next scene is the beginning of an interesting pair up between Nick and George. <gasps> my one of my oh, favorite things like, this entire episode. I feel like Teresa the- has thoughts. <laughs> <laughs> but this first scene, uh, she's trying to help him decipher the flash drive, and it's just it's a really good scene. It's a, it's a dynamic we haven't really seen yet of Nick and George working together mm-hmm. and they work together very easily. 
Yeah, I think they're both very similar. Like they're they're both very grounded people. They're not very much into the, the supernatural. I think they both believe at this point, but they're not like, that's not their direct conclusion the way Bess and Ace would be like, ah, it's Lucy, duh. But I think what the best part or my favorite part about this particular dynamic duo, my favorite part of the episode is that after everything that happened with George in the last episode, I think she needs someone like Nick to help her navigate that. I feel like Nick is probably one of the more sympathetic, empathetic people on the show. I think he's good. He's just good. And Mm -hmm. after something as uh, scary and downright evil as someone trying to take over your body, um, you need some of that (laughs) in your life. And I think this is a great start of opening up George to like them being actual friends like that the Drew crew are friends they're not just people like I mentioned last episode lonely people being lonely together there's actual genuine relationships growing and I think George starting with Nick makes so much sense yeah and also though George has this line in this scene where she basically calls out Nick and she's like you know you sending Nancy after Owen was either means you're really secure in your relationship or you're just really stupid and I feel like she becomes in this episode a sounding board for Nick Mm -hmm. that he doesn't really have with anyone else I just it gets interesting throughout the episode as they work together more Nancy starts to question Ryan about the velvet mask and Lucy because you know she's just straightforward like that and Nick and George show up And Nancy finally admits that Lucy is haunting her. They then accuse Nancy of her not trusting them because she has not, uh, up until this point, let them know that basically she's being haunted by Lucy. (sighs) I get it. But also, like, I feel like that's a lot to come to terms with. Like, I'm being haunted by this person and... This is something, right? The Lucy thing is something until this point she's tried to solve by herself. Mm-hmm. And I think it's compounded for Nick on the fact that he feels like right now she's just leaving a lot of things out. I I also think, and Melissa being the Nancy Drew apologist, I will let you absolutely chime in. But my, my Nancy Drew apologist in me is saying... Um, I don't think she trusts them with the Lucy stuff because they're so involved with the Tiffany stuff. No one is trying to solve Lucy's murder anymore, except for Nancy. And throughout this episode, we've seen people kind of not condemn her per se, but trying to tell her that her priorities are kind of whack for being so focused on Lucy when Lucy's been waiting for 20 plus years for someone to care about her. And so I don't blame her at all. Being haunted one is frightening and scary. And I also wouldn't be sharing that information. I don't think right away with anyone, but she's the yeah. only one that's caring about Lucy. And I, and I don't think as much as I like Nick, Nick's not a good person to talk to Lucy about because he's so involved with Tiffany. He mm. wants Nancy to be thinking about Tiffany and Tiffany's murder. Yeah. And also maybe Lucy just feels more personal to Nancy Because again, like she feels like she at this point thinks she's the only person being haunted by Lucy. Yeah. Melissa, our fellow Nancy Drew apologist. I I know. I'm I'm watching Melissa and I'm watching the wheels just turn Turn. and turn. (laughs) 
Yes, I mean, because I think, and this will come up later too, um, this kind of gets to this point, and this is where I start to relate to Nancy more, because I'm like, I, I get where she's coming from of, she doesn't know how to process the fact that she's being haunted by a ghost. And I think it was up until episode four, I don't think she wanted to come to terms with it, because then they had the whole scene with her mom, and like, if Lucy's haunting her, then why isn't her mom coming back? I think this is the first time we're seeing Nancy like fully coming to terms with, I'm being haunted by Lucy because Lucy wants me to solve her murder. I need to focus on this now because I'm getting all of these clues. And how, how do you tell people you're being haunted by a ghost? <laughs> you don't. I, don't. I, like, I mean, I wouldn't. Maybe my therapist. No, I don't, I don't think, think I would tell anyone. <laughs> but I mean there's just there's a lot going on and like I said I feel like it's just compounded for Nick because right now Nick there's a a break of trust for Nick he feels like Nancy is not telling him things which he's not wrong but also he he's very paranoid about the Owen thing and that's put him in a state of mind where he feels like Nancy is just after they've several conversations of where they've said they're going to be open with one another Nancy's still not doing that and nancy you know nick nick kind of he's right he kind of deserves that like they agreed on it he's her boyfriend whatever she also so in his flash drive he has found out that the roman coins are proof that the hudson's basically killed dozens of people on this ship called the bonnie scott Nick was not happy that she made a deal with Ryan in the first place. But then this next scene happens. Nick and George are looking at the flash drive. They see the Roman coins that Nancy had made the deal with Ryan to retrieve less than legally. And, <laughs> and George, of course, being a maritime family, knows a guy that can help translate the shipping manifest. So they take the manifest to the guy as Nancy is stealing these coins and the guy explains to them that the shipping manifest is actually for a boat called the Bonnie Scott. And the Bonnie Scott was a boat that sank several years before, killed everybody on the crew, and all the cargo that was on board was lost, or so they thought. So the fact that Ryan has these coins when they're supposed to be on the bottom of the ocean, Nick is, and he's not wrong, it's, he believes it's proof that the Hudson's sank the Bonnie Scott and then stole all those the cargo on board so they killed all those people essentially and so now nick is going to try and convince nancy to give the coins to him and not to ryan we'll see how that turns out nancy does steal the coins as that is all happening she does successfully steal the coins because of course she does but i wasn't paying attention was she wearing her black she was and yes, i can't was. help but think, my little criminal. No place has cameras. No. Nope. People should start except, thinking about getting camera. Except, except Nick's garage apartment. <laughs> and you know that that Nancy was like, you need a camera because I've gotten away with a lot of stealing because no cameras anywhere. <laughs> it just baffles me that that's the only place with a camera so far. But before Nancy can get back to her house, Ryan is still there and he drops his ring on the floor and he bends down to retrieve it and we see Lucy and basically he puts the ring back on and she like rushes at him and catches his arm and the ring burns like on fire mm -hmm. 
And apparently he doesn't notice it though in this scene. And then Nancy comes in and she sees what's happening. So she also sees Lucy, but then Lucy disappears. And Nancy so says, you might not remember her, but she definitely remembers you. I was like, is that our 12th ghost sighting, right? It is our 12th <laughs> ghost sighting. We see a lot of ghost sightings in this, this episode. So that count will go up. But yeah, I but they don't notice the ring this step this time. Yeah, Melissa. Well, and I don't think Ryan knew that it was Lucy because I were because in, in this scene, um, he when oh, Lucy just, hey, he, like, he yeah. dropped to the ground and he's like, What was that? and Nancy goes, Oh, that was Lucy. That was Lucy Sable, yes, yeah. yes, and, you're and right. That's when, yeah, because yeah. that's what why she says, You may not remember her, but she definitely remembers you. Because yeah. he's been denying that he doesn't know Lucy. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, she. you're right. This is the scene where she says that was Lucy Sable. You know, we don't know what the ring is just yet. But we do get to see it again later on the episode. So it cuts to the claw then. And Bess and Lizbeth are on their date. And it is going not so well. Isn't this supposed to be inventory day? Yeah, it is. It <laughs> is. It, it is. And th- Lizbeth even makes the joke like because all the like chairs are up and stuff and Bess is like I'm so sorry it's not because you know our food is bad or whatever and Lizbeth's like Bess you told me it was inventory day like I was listening <laughs> so it is it, it, possibly it, the most awkward date I oh have ever experienced it's hard I've been on really awkward dates <laughs> And Ace is being so cute though, right? Because he's he's their server and he's trying to help her as she's on the date. So much. And she keeps saying the word vermin at one point and he's like, stop <laughs> saying vermin. Like <laughs> Ace is like the number one Liz Best shipper. He wants this to work out for best. Yeah. yeah. Well, I think Ace ships best with happiness. And I think he thinks that Lizbeth will make her happy, which is nice. It's so funny, though, because at the end, right before it cuts away from this supremely awkward date, Bess says, I'm an open book. And Lizbeth says, oh, so what part of town do you live in? And Bess goes, uh, <laughs> <laughs> like, she can't even be honest about the simplest. What is she going to say? A van? <laughs> Wherever my van's parked. I, I'm currently living with a friend. Like, <laughs> I feel like. I'm currently staying with Nancy. (laughs) But anywho, it was just supremely awkward. It was a nice way to break up the Ryan and Nancy scenes though, right? Because it immediately cuts back to Ryan and Nancy. And they do deliberately say that the house is not what's haunted. So there you go, Teresa. You were right about that. I was trying to convince you. Listen, I knew it wasn't vindicated. Haunted. I just didn't want you to guess it. So <laughs> vindicated. Ryan tells Nancy that he and Lucy went out a couple of times. Nancy questions him, like, did you take her to the Velvet Mask? Because we know that she went to an exclusive party. And he mentions again that it was just a summer fling. It's very obvious at this moment, or I felt like it was the first time I watched it, that he was not being forthcoming. Oh, about- yeah, for sure. <laughs> and we are vindicated about that later in the episode, too. But... He, he was very easily transparent in this scene that he was not being truthful. Yeah. And again, I repeat to like something I said, I think episode four, where we were talking about how we, he's a dumb, dumb boy and it was a dumb, dumb, dumb mini dumb. man or something, whatever, <laughs> that they wouldn't have casted this particular actor because there's something about his eyes that is very yes very trusting and so 
in this scene, you could tell like there's just something about him that you're like, he's holding something back, but not because he's guilty. Like there's something. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's something yeah. else there. Nick then after this happens, Nick basically implores with Nancy. He's like, please give me the coins so I can turn them over to the FBI. And Nancy's like, I can't do that because I have to find out what happens to Lucy. And I don't think since she just told Nick and everybody else about Lucy this episode, he doesn't truly grasp how important it is to her that she figures out what happens to Lucy because to them, Lucy's just the town urban legend, right? Yeah. They don't understand everything that Nancy has been through with her dad and with the attic and like they, they just don't get it. So when she refuses to give the coins to Nick, he's really hurt. He mm-hmm. he's he's very very hurt by that. I understand. Like I understand. Here comes the an anthropologist. I understand like his hurt, and like I totally think he's right in feeling hurt. But I also am like I feel like he put her in a very difficult position. Of you can solve Lucy's murder, or you can turn over the Hudsons and hopefully solve Tiffany's murder. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, you know, he's like almost making her choose. That's not fair to do to Nancy. Mm-hmm. It's true. It's yeah. true. And like, like I said, I think that's part of the, one of their biggest issues, right? Is that everyone's so focused on Tiffany, which totally valid. Tiffany's murder is recent. Two weeks, and right? And they're all suspects. In that yeah, murder. they're all suspects. I totally understand. For Nancy, though, not only is she being haunted, no one's thought of Lucy in 20 years. Like, no one has cared to solve her murder. Everyone's so convinced it's unsolvable because they only have the tracks and the, the crown or whatever that the, they keep listing off as, like, this is all we have. We can't do anything about it. Like, it's unsolvable. There isn't enough evidence. It's cold. Lucy's like, no, it's not. You're just not doing your job, so let me do them for you. Like, uh, yeah, I mean, Lucy kind of stepped in for her. I mean, own. yes, Lucy definitely solving pretty much her own murder, which kind of gives you the point that like how messed up <laughs> the fact that Lucy has to come back from the dead <laughs> to solve her own murder. <laughs> it's true. I think both Nick and Nancy are in the right here, to be honest. But again, it comes back to the fact that they're so separated by choice, by choice. Uh, mainly Nancy's choice, but like they live in such separate worlds and they're not communicating the way that they need to communicate. Mm -hmm. And so after this happened, we get another George and Nick scene. George is consoling Nick and she's basically telling her like, listen, man, I know you like Nancy, but this is who Nancy is. As long as I've known Nancy Drew, she's had walls. This is the kind of person that she is. And I appreciate about George that she is frank with Nick because I think Nick likes Nancy so much that he wants to, again, apologize for her or see things that aren't there or thinks he can change her, that traditional, you know, archetype. But George is very frank with him and saying, you know, as long as I've known her, this is who she is. And until she experiences some character growth, this is, this is who she still is. But she doesn't write Nancy off either. She tells Nick that Nancy's relentless. And if he wants to keep Nancy, he has to be just as relentless, which is not bad advice by no, any means. Not. They are trying to figure out, though, a way to get into the party since Ryan is selling the coins at the party. They want a way into the party so they can steal the coins to turn them over to the FBI. They don't really know a way in. 
they're thinking about family names. And then I think it's Nick is the one who says, what about a Tandy? Of course, Ace has that connection with Laura Tandy. And so they're planning to use Laura's name to get into the Velvet Mask. So we also find out in this scene that Lizbeth, during the awkward date, that Lizbeth got an emergency text to leave that her niece, I think, was in the hospital or something, emergency surgery. Yeah, like appendicitis. Yeah. And so as a viewer, you're like, did she though? We all have prepped each other with our friends. Like, tell me when I need to text you. Like, I will fake text you and see, like. It's true. We've all planned that, that emergency exit. It's true. So George has this, after they figured out they want to use Laura's name to get into the party, George has this really sweet scene or a really sweet moment where she goes up to Bess and she is trying to make her feel better. She's like, Bess, you know what would make you feel better? Sneaking into a rich people party and wearing a pretty dress and maybe even getting a chance to steal something. <laughs> and you can see Bess's face is, and Bess's face is like, hmm, that does sound appealing. It's all the things that Bess like. Rich people, nice clothes, and kleptomania. So, <laughs> Nancy, in the meantime, Nancy is trying to convince Ryan to take her to the party. And he continues to deny knowing anything, but he ends up taking her to the party where she is wearing a ridiculous ridiculously awesome blue dress i just want to spend the rest of the time talking about the blue dress just the blue dress like we don't we don't actually need to talk about the rest of the episode who cares just how how gorgeous nancy looked she She looked good she, she did look good and that blue dress was a very nice color it really was it complemented the red hair really well and everything it did and and also I mean, they all looked good. Like Bess and George and Nick show up to the party too. And Bess is in that silver gown and her hair is back off her face. They, they just, they, they all looked good. George looked beautiful too. But it was kind of the first time we got to see them in formal wear. We do get to see it again, just so you know. But even though they're in their formal wear, Nick, Bess, and George still stick out at the party. So they, they sneak into a room and steal some masks. <laughs> Which, I mean... Makes whatever sense. i i still feel like rich people are such a like tight-knit community you're still gonna stick out because they don't immediately know who you are and apparently we find out later they have masks that they wear traditionally which is also weird but i don't know anything about rich people i'm not gonna lie to you maybe maybe this is normal i don't think this is normal <laughs> I I don't know much about rich people either, but even I don't think that this is, this is not normal rich people behavior. I think this is creepy rich people behavior. (laughs) Okay, cool. I I also made a note because this is going back to my small town thing. There is a lot of rich people at this party for it being a small town. They're summering. They don't actually live there. They just have big, big houses there on the ocean. Which... I guess, but again, I don't know anything about that. So <laughs> are the Marvins the only ones that actually live there? But but didn't the but Ryan Hudson, Hudson went to school there. 
Ryan did go to school. Th- that is interesting. <laughs> or was it during the school year or like, was it at the end of the school year and they were doing like a bake sale? I don't know. Listen, I don't read too closely into things. Actually, that's a lie. I, re- I read too closely. <laughs> like, into have everything. you seen your notes? <laughs> Shut up. Anyways. Your Twitter handle? <laughs> Shut up. Stop calling me out. Anywho, <laughs> there's a really funny moment then where now that they're in the party, Ryan starts to say this line. He's like, I don't want to babysit you all night. So, and he turns around and Nancy's gone. She literally used him to get into the party. And then she was like, bye. <laughs> before he can even be like i don't want to like be around you all night she's already gone obviously the sentiment is shared so i mean i don't blame her <laughs> no exactly and we find out that nancy is looking for the things from lucy's poem the mythical creatures of pegasus and medusa the kraken the and kraken. medusa and she is looking for these things and surprise, surprise, rich guy number two, Owen, shows up and she basically just straight out asked him, did Ryan bring Lucy to this party all those years ago? And Owen's like, well, I was five, so I don't remember. And so this is where we get confirmation, right? That he's a lot younger than Ryan. Yeah, a good 12, maybe 13 years, depending on how old Ryan is. 17, yeah, 18, so. so. He, he's probably in like his mid, late 20s. It's, it's a good estimate. Owen does some questioning of his own, actually. And he says, I noticed that Ryan brought these coins to auction off tonight. And I need them because these coins are proof that they double-crossed my family because apparently the Bonnie Scott was a joint venture between the Hudsons and the Marvins, and his uncle Sebastian was on board. And so, much like Nick, Owen wants the coins to bring down the Hudsons because it's proof that the Hudsons double-crossed them and sunk the ship, killed those Marvins as well as Hudsons, and then took all the cargo. I want to say this scene made me feel also vindicated because this further proves my death i to me my death watch (laughs) oh it's he's still on your death watch then yeah (laughs) for those of you that may not have listened to last episode owen marvin is currently on Teresa's death watch which you know it sounds like i'm alone which makes me worry since i'm the only (laughs) one that hasn't seen it (laughs) but well your uh, prediction of how he would die oh I guess I could sit down and think about it. <laughs> sit down and think about it and get back to us. So anyways, Owen tries to get Nancy to leave unsuccessfully. And we meet a new Hudson, Celia. Celia Hudson. Celia is Celia. Ryan's mother. Mother. She and seems fishy. They all seem fishy. If you have the last name Hudson, you're just automatically fishy by nature. And they do bring up the fact that she missed Tiffany's funeral. She doesn't seem too put out about it. She tries to convince Ryan to give her the coins. So this brings up an interesting point. She knows what the coins can do. She knows what it means. Ryan does not. And this was actually mentioned earlier in the episode by Nick. He said, There's no way that Ryan would sell the coins if he knew what the coins meant on a deeper level. I put the note, Ryan equals dumbass. Again, dumb mean boy. It also 
it also supports the theory that maybe Ryan's not as evil as his family, right? Because he does not know their sordid history. He does not know that his parents are responsible for that ship. Yeah. And I also can't help but wonder if, um, I don't think his father would ever shelter him, but if his mom sheltered him from the true evilness that is the Hudson's Mm -hmm. in some capacity or someone did, right? Because he's not been, he hasn't been folded into all of that information, all of the seediness of it. And he's in his 30s. So it's not like they're like, oh, he's young. It's like, no, he's a grown man. Or Everett also thinks he's a dum-dum and just doesn't that include also him. may be true. Either way, Celia obviously knows and is trying to get him to give up the coins. She's treating it like a problem to be solved. And Ryan has a very interesting line. And he says, I never liked the way you solved my problems, mother. We obviously see that his mother has a history of solving what she deems to be problems for Ryan that maybe he did not necessarily agree was a problem. So that's our first glimpse into, I I really truly think this is the the first time we see that one Ryan, Ryan is not necessarily Ryan's family. Yeah. He's not necessarily a Hudson we've seen glimpses of it little clues i think the biggest one was carson defending him that he like doesn't work for the hudson's he works for Mm -hmm. ryan i think that was the biggest clue we've had but this is like confirmation of suspicions um we we suspected that ryan again not innocent still a perv dated i was gonna say he still has major privilege issues yeah um But. but that doesn't equate him with the vileness of the Hudson's as a whole yeah Owen actually responds I guess or acquiesces with Nancy's request and takes her to where the Pegasus is on the way we see Nick kind of interrupts their walking or whatever he's still very much jealous of Owen Nancy did not realize that Nick and the rest of the Drew crew were going to be in attendance. And she's very worried that they're all going to get thrown out because she thinks that they're less subtle than she is in her bright blue gown. Um, <laughs> she might be in a bright blue gown, but I don't think she was wrong. <laughs> okay, maybe. Uh, <laughs> but during this conversation, Nick basically tells her, you're still holding back from me. And she does not deny it. And he begs her not to, and she still does not. And I don't want to say the writing's on the wall, but like, man, if they make it through this one, it's it's, it's going to be. The, the cracks be. have been forming from the very beginning, and they've only gotten more permanent. <laughs> like, I don't I think there's. Say, especially since they keep saying, oh, we're going to work on this. And then there's no Nancy progress. keeps asking for time. Nick gives keeps giving it and gets nothing in return not that i blame nancy but like yeah i think i think nancy needs time i think nancy needs more time than it's fair to ask of nick Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying like you know yes our nancy drew apologist come on melissa join us jump in the ring i mean i was just gonna say i think nick does deserve more that Nancy is not able to give. And I think especially at this moment in time. Yes. And I think, I don't think Nick has realized that yet. I think Nick is wanting to change her. 
And it's like, and Nancy's kind of like, I can't change who I am. So coming from this perspective, Nick has been through a lot of messed up stuff in his life at a very Mm -hmm. young age before he even turned 18. Nick has had therapy. Nick has had time to process. And Nick on a maturity scale is decades older than Nancy. Mm -hmm. Nancy had a really hard thing happen to her with her mom. It is still fresh. It is still new. She hasn't really had time to achieve the same character growth that Nick has. And I just think that they are in two different places in life. That's my take on it. Not to say that one day, like six years from now, they might be on the same page. But right now, Nick is older than Nick is, if that makes sense. He, he's yeah. just older than Nancy in a maturity scheme. So, well, and I think, and I think because Nick has had all of that growth, I think with Nancy, she's kind of been burned in the past because when her mom died, her friends left her. And so, oh, yeah. I, th- so I think for her, she kind of is just like, oh, if I let people see that side of me if, or, or if I'm more honest about things, like, are they going to leave me too? Yeah. And like I said, you know, Nick also had a lot of that, but he's had time to process and time to figure out who he is as a person. I think Mm -hmm. Nancy's still working on that. Beth sees Lizbeth at the party. (laughs) Bless. She goes up to confront her and Lizbeth is just completely like, just forgoes the fact that apparently she had a fake text earlier and she's like oh my gosh you look amazing and Beth starts to like you know basically call her out and she's like but yes I do look amazing (laughs) which is is really it's a good moment but that moment I I know they're so cute they're so cute but it's it's such a short moment it is it's like a like that the innocence of a first crush or whatever it's really nice, but it's a short moment because then we cut to Nancy. She found the Pegasus that Owen led her to, and she, there's this really cool scene where Nancy exists in the moment, but it kind of shows what happened in the past as a flashback, but while mm-hmm. Nancy is there, it's a really neat scene, but she kind of puts together the pieces from Lucy's poem that Lucy, something happened in the party. They were mean to her. She went away, she was hiding, and she accidentally saw Celia Hudson with Owen's uncle, Sebastian. They were, I guess, in a compromising position of some sort, and she was a witness to it. And Celia caught her. And then there's a really cool moment where she catches her in the past, but then bam, she's there in real life too. Yeah. Yeah. I loved that scene. I can't. It's very cool. The direction of it all, like the way it was sequenced, was really well done. It felt mm-hmm. cinematic in a way that television doesn't feel. I don't know how they pick their directors or if it's in the script. I have no idea, but it's really well done. It was a really nice scene. I enjoyed it. Yes. But Celia is there. She takes Nancy back to the main room. Nancy questions her about the incident. And says, I think that Lucy caught you with Sebastian Marvin and that Tiffany found out about the coins. Like she insinuates that, you know, that connection between Tiffany and Lucy and then that less than a year later, both of them were dead. Celia vaguely threatens her, right? Mm-hmm. As, as mob people are wont to do. But then she does something and she casts suspicion on Carson. 
And she yep. mentions how good he is at keeping secrets. And I'm like, you know what? Ryan might be a dumb dumb, but guess who's not? Celia. Celia's not a dumb dumb. <laughs> Celia is a smart smart. <laughs> smart but. smart mean woman. Yeah. <laughs> exactly <laughs> but she does she casts suspicion on Carson and I'm like stay off my baby Carson is I, I love Carson 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 I, Car- yes Carson drew protection squad hashtag okay. that's me it is I'm only the Carson Allie's apologist Car- <laughs> yeah I was like it is only Allie's love of Carson that makes me wary every time I'm sus- suspicious of him I'm like Maybe I'm, I have to be wrong. <laughs> Allie would love him so much if he were a murderer. <laughs> it's um, true. <laughs> it, it's true. I can't the hide my love for him. <laughs> she, she's been saying she loves Carson since the beginning, which is like why I probably, some of my predictions have probably been less about Carson because I was like, I know where this is going. Well, I oh, Mr. Giving it away, Allie. I didn't mean to. I can't hide my love for Scott Wolf. I okay, love Scott. They Wolf. just casted that so well. They, they really did. did. I was so okay. I was telling Teresa. I don't know if you know this, Melissa. Did you know originally Freddie Prince Jr. was cast as Carson Drew? And we were talking that would not have worked. I would have spent the entire time thinking about how freaking hot Freddie Prince Jr. is. You and I have talked about this. Yeah, yeah we, like we he's way too attractive. Like, he, no, he it would not have worked. I, I just keep picturing him as Fred um from Scooby Doo. See, no, which, I've seen Fred, I've seen him in other things. So I've I don't seen him in other things too. Like he was in like um I know what you did last summer and like um She's all that. She's all that and all that stuff. I've seen his stuff, but I just I just I think he's iconic as Fred, and I, that's all I would see. <laughs> I'm so fortunate that I don't think that. Go ahead, Melissa. (laughs) I was going to say, I mean, I think Scott in general, like kind of pieces this back together. Not only is the Drew crew have great chemistry, but like Scott and Kennedy do too. And so it's just, I could not, even though I knew, like, cause he filmed, Freddie filmed the pilot and I just could not imagine having another Carson Drew because they just have such great chemistry as a father-daughter duo. Yeah. Thank God for audience feedback. Had I been in an audience feedback for that pilot, my first comment would have been, Freddie Prince Jr. is too hot to be someone's dad. This is not Riverdale. <laughs> like, that would have Wait, been Is that comment. why they got rid of Fred, Freddie Prince Jr.? Because of I don't audience know. feedback? That, I don't know. I've That's tried why to I find pictures, but I couldn't. Yeah, I think it, he just filmed, filmed the pilot or whatever. But I, I love, no hate to Freddie Prince Jr. I love Freddie Prince Jr. I've been in love with him since I was like seven years old, okay? Like <laughs> I wanted to marry Freddie Prince Jr. when I was a kid. And he and Sarah uh, Sarah Michelle Geller are super cute. Their kids are cute. They have cookbooks together, like adorable. They're very cute. I love Freddie Prince Jr. He would not have worked as Carson Drew. I love Scott Wolf in this role. Not to say Scott Wolf is not attractive, but Scott Wolf is my cute little teddy bear. And I will defend him <laughs> to the end of time to quote Beyonce. So <laughs> I will say you can go to, go to Scott's Instagram and look at his 50 year old birthday pictures. 
He's so cute. He's so he cute. In like a dad way, not in like a creepy, like romanticized way. Like he's, he is my TV dad. Loves yes. Wolf. Anyways. <laughs> All right. So the auction starts. Lizbeth and Bess are holding hands and it distracts Bess. And they had set up this whole thing where Ace is outside being smirk- smirky and cute and he turns off the electricity and Bess is supposed to go steal the coins. But because she's distracted by Lizbeth, she's caught in the middle of stealing the coins. Owen Marvin steps in and actually gets them out of the party without anything bad happening to them. So points for Owen Marvin in the friend column. Told you he was going to be part of the Drew group. <laughs> Yeah, Which yeah. I also don't get how they thought that they were going to get away with it with uh, George screaming in the background. Um, the scream was supposed to be like a distraction, I think. But whatever. This is what happens when Nancy is not part of the plan. Yes. Thank you. That is Nancy what I should... But they had to do it because Nancy wasn't working with them. She was uh, being Nancy. Because, that's because well, one, she was being Nancy and also different motives. They weren't going to yeah. be able to work together. Speaking of Nancy's motive, this next part, this next sequence is what like my favorite part of the whole episode besides the Pegasus scene where Ryan starts to hear something and he looks in a room and he sees Lucy, but Lucy looks like Lucy. Lucy mm-hmm. doesn't look like Lucy say like, dead lucy she looks like lucy sable like he remembers her in her pink dress well no she's not in her pink dress she's in the dress she wore to the party yeah it's the yeah the dress she wore to the party and, and is that our 13th ghost sighting yes it is and this is the part i even have it written in this is the part where he says loose so they were close enough that he didn't even call her lucy he called her loose like he referred to her as a nickname but he sees her and he follows her and he's like entranced by her to the point like he kisses her ghost and Nancy happens along because of course she does and sees them. But Nancy sees Lucy as dead Lucy because, you know, Nancy wasn't at the party that night. She interrupts their otherworldly kissing. Lucy burns the ring again and then she disappears. Nancy this time actually realizes it's the ring. She picks the ring up and where on his wedding ring, it had Tiffany's name on the inside. Lucy burned her name into it with like a little arrow. So Lucy was trying to tell them that her death is directly connected to Tiffany's Tiffany's. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love that scene though. That one little shot of him seeing her as her, right? And him calling her by her name like he didn't even have to tell nancy the next part right the story to know how much he actually cared about lucy sable yeah it really humanized him uh in a way that i didn't realize because i had already paid him as the dumb mean boy um the dumb <laughs> dumb meanie man <laughs> uh so i didn't think he was a villain so but this particular sequence really humanized him in a way I didn't even realize I needed. I wasn't exactly on his team, but I wasn't against Ryan the whole time. But I was like, how can you not feel sorry for the guy after he tells you what happens? Like he really liked this girl. All he wanted to do was impress her. His family got in the way. Like 
you know, like uh-huh. he tried to communicate with her. They wouldn't let him like he was trying to be there for her as someone who cared for her after whatever she experienced. What we think right now, right, is just witnessing the affair, um, mm-hmm. which I'm not convinced is the full story. I think it's just the first crucial part. But yeah, and I was just like, he tried to be a good boyfriend. He tried to be there for her and his family was mm-hmm. are a bunch of dicks. I hate them. <laughs> Which, yeah, I didn't think if at this point you weren't before this point, if you weren't convinced that um, Ryan is not like his family, I think this is the confirmation that Ryan is against some people's better judgments. He is different than his family, and he does. There are some things he does that are still shitty and messed up, but he is not as messed up as Everett Hudson. And this is truly the first genuine moment for Ryan right of just genuine he he really liked Lucy he was excited to be with her he wanted to impress her he brought her to the party which is what he tells Nancy and then after the party she kind of pulled away from him his parents intervened and solved the problem so that goes back to that line earlier to Celia he was referring to Lucy when he said that how he you know, he really liked Lucy and Celia solved a problem that wasn't really a problem. And Nancy asked him, you know, how did they handle it? And he said how they handled everything back then. Carson Drew. Hashtag Carson Drew Protection Squad. Get away from my baby. But he, so this is the second time in the same episode, right? Where Nancy has heard Carson connected with Lucy. I don't know why she's surprised. She literally oh, no. found her dress in her their attic. Oh, no. I'm like, oh, clearly he's connected to something. Leave him alone. He's innocent. I'm not saying he's guilty. I'm just saying he's clearly connected. I don't think both Fine. Celia and Ryan Hudson telling her should be a big shock. It's true. Her forensic dude calls her forensic chemist guy and tells her that Lucy's crown actually had two DNA strands and one was Lucy and one was not Lucy, but it was not a man. It's female DNA. Dun, so dun, dun. Carson is male. Therefore, it is not Carson's DNA. But you know who it could be? Celia Hudson. It could very much be Celia Hudson's. It could very much not be Celia Hudson. But Nancy thinks it might be Celia. <laughs> She's a, a good suspect right now. She's looking. I don't think it's Celia either, but... <laughs> that's a really nice scene it really does humanize ryan um it makes him more relatable and it makes you hate him just a little bit less and it makes you really see that he he also went through some tough stuff with his family and he has a terrible family and they're all horrible people so maybe they should be on your death watch anywho (laughs) the drew never die not till the end (sighs) fine The Drew crew is at the claw minus Nancy. They're kind of debriefing everything that happened. Nancy then walks in and they're all mad at Nancy because Nancy went off on her own and did her own thing. But then Nancy produces the coins. After the Drew crew got kicked out of the party, Nancy snuck in and stole the coins herself. Because of course she did. Yeah, of course she did. But they're still kind of bitter at her. The only one that's like, no, this is great. Hashtag teamwork is Ace again. Uh, <laughs> I feel like Ace is that that anchor, right? That kind of He's the like, potanker. Yeah. But Nick is still upset 
And then it's made worse when Owen Marvin shows up. And she leaves them to go handle Owen Marvin. She talks to Owen. He bought the coins at the auction, then realized that they were like so many quarters, some nickels and some pennies. And she said, maybe they're lucky pennies, which was a cute line. <laughs> it was a cute line. That was a cute line. But he, he mentions how he was going to give the coins to an FBI friend of his. And she's like, oh, you should give me his number just in case I wander along the coin. <laughs> and it's so funny because he obviously knows. Yeah, he, right. he showed up because he knows. Yes. And so while this is happening, Nick is looking on, obviously still jealous, even though there there's some flirting going on. But Nancy, in the same conversation, Nancy turns him down again. Mm-hmm. He's like, I'm in a relationship. I really like Nick. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. But again, Nick does not know this, and Nancy does not offer this to him. Well, so, also, from where Nick's watching, he sees her arm going to his shoulder and like rubbing Owen's shoulder exactly. while she's turning him away. And shoulders are super suspect. Seriously, they're they're, yeah. they're very suspect. But George again takes on that role of comforter for Nick, and she says, "I got a crowbar in the back." <laughs> I love it. And that is not, that is the first mention of the crowbar. I do believe we, we see the crowbar several times uh, over the course of the first two seasons with George. And she's just kind of in this moment, you know, she's there for him in whatever capacity he needs her to be, which is really sweet. She's, she's being his ride or die woman. She's like, what do you want me to do? What, what, what what do we do? But yeah, this, this entire last bit of the episode I was feeling sorry for Nancy because the rest of them are so clearly bonding. Yeah. Like they're so clearly building a relationship with one another. And she's so separated by all of that. Um, And uh, I always, I think the moment Nick told her that the coins were important to Tiffany Hudson's research and to bring it down the Hudson's in my head, I always thought she was going to end up stealing the coins back for them. Like that was always part of her plan, which is why she. Was, I, I did too. Uh, which know. is why she was just like, "Why are you at the party? You're messing everything up. I have a plan to make sure we all win." But she did not convey that to them. She didn't com- communicate that. That's her. She's biggest not problem. a great communicator. She's not a good communicator. So when her when they kind of rejected her peace offering, something that in my head was always going to happen. It wasn't just that they kicked, got kicked out. It was just like no, like Nancy was always going to do this for you. Um, because she cares about solving Tiffany's murder as well. Like, it's not just about Lucy for her. Like, she yeah. mentioned it. Like, she thought that Ryan was connected to both murders and this was going to help her solve both murders. And they rejected it. The only one that was kind of supportive was Ace. And I can't help but feel, like, a little bit bad for her. Like, this was, like, her way of saying, I'm also on your team. And they were like, no. Nice nation, baby. Um <laughs> So <laughs> we love a little bit of face. <laughs> but I also think like, I mean, when I look at it too, it's like, okay, you know, Nick, Bess, and George are very concerned about clearing their names because right now they are suspects for Tiffany's murder. And it's I true. think and I think Nancy's almost like used to it of feeling like she's always under the bus for something. 
And so there's that. And so she's kind of like, yeah, that's there, but I'll be like, I know I didn't do anything, but then also having the Lucy thing and wanting to solve that murder. She's just like trying to balance two things at once. And I just, the other three aren't, aren't able to really see that yet. And Mm -hmm. I think Ace is appreciating that because Ace is the resident ghost storyteller. Yeah. But also he's balancing several things himself. Yeah. Um, I also think it's kind of funny that I, you mentioned how she's like there, everyone has different priorities. And I mentioned this with Carson too, when he was like, took the deal with the Hudson's and sold out, right. That his priorities were were his family. Like his family comes first. It doesn't Mm -hmm. matter how bad it makes him look. Everyone else has priorities of like self-preservation and yeah, maybe Nancy's used to it, but I can't help but think it's like, she doesn't care. Like her priority is the truth. And so like, if that means that she gets arrested, gets charged with a felony, like all of that stuff, that doesn't matter because as long as the truth gets out, that's, that's the important part. Her being a suspect, her being like, that doesn't phase her because it's like, and also, like I said, I feel like it's kind of personal when you're personally being haunted by a ghost. That's true. That wants you, that obviously wants you to solve their murder, especially one that's been ignored for so long. Mm -hmm. And she even touches on that in in another episode um where she talks about how she kind of judges the town because they've deliberately lived in denial for so long because it didn't suit their agenda or whatever to solve her murder then there's a sweet moment where Lizbeth shows up at the claw with a pizza that I just melted into a little puddle and I was like mm-hmm. oh, that's so cute and she apologizes for leaving the earlier date or whatever and I really think that she and Beth are really cute they're really sweet at this point I think that I I don't know how Bess is going to fare with sharing her secrets because she has a lot of them <laughs> don't they all and <laughs> and I, I think that will be interesting to watch play out. Not that I know how it ends or anything. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, in a story, in a show about ghosts that's very supernatural based, Bess and Lizbeth are like a light in this ep- in mm-hmm. this series of just like watching their love like bud. I'm just like, can we just like bottle this up? It's one of the, it's like a little snippet of organic character like relationship like you know what I mean that's not built in this camaraderie of fighting the supernatural it's just built in a meat cute so to speak like Mm -hmm. a good old rom-com which I'm a big fan of (laughs) Nancy this and then after that's when Nancy tells Owen she's not available but again Nick only sees them talking closely and this is the first episode that we really haven't had that closing or whatever with the song. It closes on a wide shot of like, it's the table where the coins are. We see Nick in the background watching Nancy and Owen, but then the coins on the table start to rise. Mm -hmm. And we realize that the Bonnie Scott coins are haunted. haunted. Like everything else in this town, they're haunted. Mm -hmm. And that was the end of the episode. We are on to Easter Eggland, and I've got some really good ones. This the fun. So this whole episode is loosely based on elements from Nancy Drew book number thirty, which is called "The Clue of the Velvet Mask." 
And it, it, it is another rich people party where masks are involved. Uh, the party itself is not called the velvet mask. She actually finds a velvet mask at the party, which turns out to be a clue or whatever, but there's several elements from that book in this episode. So now we move to ratings. So this, this episode on a scale of one to five possessed Roman coins (laughs) <laughs> see this one was this one was more obvious right yeah <laughs> with yeah. five being iconic and one being garbage what did you think Teresa? so i actually really enjoyed this episode so i'm giving a 3.75 uh possessed when i said Roman decimals coins. i did not mean two decimal <laughs> points that feels excessive. <laughs> I, I don't feel comfortable giving it a four, but I definitely want to give it more than a three and a half because it, I, I, it's probably my, beyond the pilot, it's probably been my favorite episode so far. Okay. Mm-hmm. Melissa? See, I am comfortable enough of giving this a four. Okay. Hey. Mainly because of Nancy's stress, but also <laughs> just in general, I think the episode was very well put together and I feel like, we got a lot from it. Yeah, there was a lot in here. Since we're now doing two decimal points, I will give this episode 4.25 possessed Ooh. Roman coins. I love how we have like this like pattern going of I'm the I highest. I feel like I'm super harsh. Maybe I should lighten up. <laughs> well, okay. So this one was definitely at least a four for me, but 4.5 is the pilot. So, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. it, it was it was a great episode. Definitely my favorite episode since the pilot. So Yeah, mine too. We'll go with that. All right. Okay. Time for predictions. Ah, so as I mentioned previously, one of my predictions is Celia did not do it. I know, like, I know they're trying to make her out to be a, a suspect, but... Um, I think she's guilty of something. I don't think the murder of either Lucy or Tiffany are those things. Um, guilty I think of being she, a terrible person? Yeah, she's definitely a terrible person. She definitely bribed some people, definitely probably scared Lucy to some capacity, uh, definitely manipulated her son emotionally um, and mentally. Which is terrible. Did she commit murder? Possibly. Maybe she murdered Sebastian. I don't know how involved she was with the sinking of the Bonnie Scott. I don't think Lucy or Tiffany are one of her uh, murder victims, if she has any. Um, I think that this is more of a comment, less of prediction. But I do think that Nick and George will be good friends by the end of the season and probably be better friends than Nancy and George would be. Cause I know in the books, Nancy and George are best friends, right? Nancy, George, and this. So I think that Nick and George will develop a, a real friendship much faster um, than Nancy and literally anyone. <laughs> She's not really giving them much to work with um, that Nancy drew. Um, and then um, given all of your comments, I feel kind of bad about this one. <laughs> But something in my gut is telling me that Lisbeth is a little fishy and that that she is not that her feelings are not genuine or, or, or anything like that, that I think the 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 push to actually build a relationship is a little uh, uh, Hudson influence, if you will. There is just something 
I don't know. I think she was a little too forgiving of a lot of Bess's obvious mistakes that I think would have been red flags for literally anyone else. And I don't think Bess is cute enough or they know each other well enough for that to be forgiven unless there's an ulterior motive. I will say this though. They are very cute. And I do think their relationship will be however long it lasts will be real eventually. I just think that this, the, the beginnings of this relationship are fishy and that uh, Lisbeth may have some information that they will later use because she's fishy. All right. Any more? Death Watch? Uh, Owen, Laura, still the same. Uh, okay. I think. Not going to add anybody? I don't have a great feeling about Lisbeth, but I don't want to put her on the list just yet. I as think long she as Carson survives off, we're good. <laughs> we're fine. Leave Carson alone. Keep Nancy off that list. I mean, it'd be kind of hard to have Nancy Drew without Nancy Drew, but. They can make it work in this show. I think they could make it work. She could be a ghost. Yeah, I was going to say they could easily bring her back. So that's all we have for you this week. Make sure that you hit us up on social media. You can find me on Twitter at SlowBurnMac, M-A-C. You can find Teresa Ware. At Ter, T-E-R-E underscore D-V 95 on Twitter. And Melissa? At Sleuthen Drew without the G. <laughs> Sleuthen, for those of you Sleuthen. that missed it. There, there is no G. G is excessive. We just do <laughs> Uh, also make sure that you like, like us, leave us a review, recommend us to somebody recommended us on Twitter this week. That was really cool. Yes, it was. Thanks for that. Yep. And if you have any predictions of your own or any comments or anything like that, please let us know and we'll try to add it in on our next episode. But until then later, Drudes. Bye.